Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Yeah, well, good morning, everyone. Uh, welcome to Strength to Strength. It's a real blessing to see uh, many of you, lots of you this morning. We have quite a, quite a crowd on, on Zoom here, and that, that's a real, real blessing. Uh, we're excited to have Pablo Yoder with us uh, today us this morning here at six and again um, this afternoon at, at three o'clock. And this morning, Brother Pablo is talking about the power and purpose of enemy love. And I'm really anticipating this talk. Um, this is, I often get in conversations here with people locally talking about uh, non-resistance or enemy love and, and the purpose of it and the reason for it. And just like my Iranian friend told me the other morning, other day, he said, um, the ways of Jesus are counterintuitive, and and we're going to hear about some counterintuitive ways here today from a brother. Um, so Pablo Yoder is from Waslala, Nicaragua, as many of us probably know. Um, we've we've read his books and have probably heard him speak at times in the past. Um, he also it has Pablo. I was going to ask you before the call here: Do you have five children or six children? Six. <laughs> Six children. Yeah. All right. And um, I think two of them are still at home um, there with them. And uh, uh, Brother Pablo is is, uh, is an ordained evangelist. So, Brother Pablo, it's good to have you with us this morning. Um, before we get started here, why don't we just have, have prayer? <clears throat> Let's pray. A kind Heavenly Father, thank you um, so much for today. Thank you for your mercies that are new again this morning. And Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus, your son, the one who showed us the, the, the reason for enemy love, the one who walked it out, the one who taught us and showed us what it looks like to be your sons, to be your children, and to live your ways on this earth. And so, Father, I ask, Lord, that as our brother shares this morning, that he would experience just freedom from you, um, he could think clearly that he could just remember these stories and he could share them uh, under, under your um, anointing, Father, and that he would do it for your glory, Father, and that these talks could be used um, as a way to, to help all of us as we grapple with what it looks like to follow Jesus, uh, that we could understand better what that looks like. And so, Father, I pray that you would bless this uh, talk this morning uh, in a very special way. Um, just God and direct us, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. All yours. All yours, Pablo. Okay. Good morning, everybody. Thank you, especially, Brian, for inviting me to join you here this morning. A little different way of worshiping in this hour. So, uh, yeah. Uh, I'm excited about the topic. Very excited about the topic because... It's one of the most important topics in the, in the whole world, which is God's love. God's love is so great and wonderful. This morning, I just overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed with realizing just a little bit um, what God's love is for me and for everybody. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever thought about it, you know. How big is God's love? Um, in Ephesians, it says that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height, and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Have you ever tried to measure God's love? Has anybody taken a, a tape and just, uh, let's see, how big is God's love really? You know, how wide is it? How deep? How high? You know, the world talks a lot about love. But, of course, they get things all mixed up. They get, they get uh, last things first and first things last. They talk about love and immediately think about romance and, and um, things that pertain to immor immor immorality. And 
It, you know, it's about all they talk about here in Nicaragua, especially all the songs and a lot of stuff that people see on TV has to do with what they call love. And yeah, some of those things are, you know, in the right place is, are, are, are good. They're wonderful. But unless we have <clears throat> the origin of love, which is God's love, the divine love, agape love in our hearts, all the other loves don't mean anything. It's all empty. So um, especially for me this morning to talk about the love of God and how big it is, how wonderful, how great it is, it's very special. And when we have that love shed abroad in our hearts, it makes all the difference. And it's big. It's really, really big. And we humans, um, I don't think we can even scratch the surface on, on what we have here, this, the greatness, the, the, the size, the awesomeness of God's love. We're just, we're so little. But God wants us to be rooted and grounded in this love. He wants us to comprehend its size to a certain extent. But then it says, down a little bit lower there, it says it passes knowledge. It's way beyond anything that we could actually grasp. But the thing that really impresses me and I want to share with you this morning is that the love of God is big enough, great enough, real enough, strong enough to love your enemies. We could talk about throwing a pebble in the center of a pond. That little pebble makes a little splash, and then it creates rings. And, and the rings keep going out like this, you know, all the way to the edge of the pond. You know, when God's love comes into our hearts, makes quite a splash. And immediately the first ring or our response is to love God back. And oh my, I could talk all morning just about that, that love relationship, to actually be able to have a friendship with God and receive his love into my heart and then turn around and love him back. But the Christian life is a lot more than that. We know that. It's not just God and I, but then he also commands us uh, to love our spouses, another ring, to love our children to love our brethren, we get bigger and bigger and bigger. Then we love our neighbor. And then next we love our a stranger. And last of all, God's love is big enough to love our enemies. And I think uh, once we have that in our minds and in our hearts, we have decided that God's love is big enough. You know, a lot of people really get stuck on, on the Sermon on the Mount and some of this teaching. It just really get hung up. I mean, it's just like, that's impossible. I don't know if you've ever felt that way. But I'm just so glad to tell you this morning, it's not impossible because God's love is big enough. It comes into our hearts and transforms us. And no, we're not perfect. We make mistakes. But when we have God's love in our hearts, it makes all the difference. And uh, changes our lives. And then we turn around and share that love with others. It's like we talk about plumbing, you know. We have the, the love flowing into our hearts, and it flows right back. That's the way it should anyway, unless we've lost our first love, and then we're really in trouble. But then also we open the spigots that go out into these ripples, you know, into these, into these rings, and we open the spigot. And sometimes our love seems like, for God, seems like it's drying up, but often it's a plumbing problem. There's blockage or sin or something in our lives that doesn't allow love to flow. Or it's just plain we're, we're skimpy with, with that love. We're, we're tightwads. So we, we don't open our spigots to the others. Well, that makes a problem because then it dries up the fountain of that love. So to keep that love flowing into our hearts daily, we need to uh, send it back which is a beautiful thing, like I said, to be able to love God back and tell him how you love him and not only tell him, but live it. Turn around and, and practice that love back to God. Worship him, obey him, 
And oh my, we could just go on on that. But then we need to open those spigots all the way out to the edge of the pond. We need to open the spigots of love to our enemy. And you know, you immediately see me and you think of robbers. Oh boy, robbers, you know. And, um, but you know, it's not just robbers. It could be the milk inspector or it could be your neighbor that makes life a little difficult for you. Or maybe it's a brother in the church that just really seems like he has it in for you, you know? Have you ever experienced that? Unfortunately, it happens. Well, this is, this is what the Bible is teaching us, is that God's love is big enough to turn around. You know, that's the only armor we have here in Nicaragua. We can't own a gun. I mean, you guys have them in your, in your uh, living rooms or in your bedrooms, this whole row of guns. We can't have a gun. Because if we would, first of all, it would be a very, very poor testimony because everybody knows what guns are for. And here in Nicaragua, when they talk about guns, it's for defending yourself and shooting people. There are not many animals left. They've shot them all. So anyway, here we go. And we can't have a gun. I don't want a gun. Plus, I'll have a little story later this, this afternoon when, they, when we had a pellet gun and they turned around and used it on us. But anyway, that's another story. So the only arm we have, and, but, you know, it sounds funny. The only arms we have is love. That is our, that is our weapon. Um, and that is sufficient to be able to turn around and love your enemy in practical ways. I mean, try it. Try it. It works. Get that brother that's clashing with you or you're clashing with him, you know, whatever. Uh, pray for that guy. And, and, and watch and ask God for opportunities to hammer him with love. And it works. It's a beautiful thing. That's my testimony this morning. Yeah, we'll be talking about some robbers. But um, it's not only even for us. I mean... It's just one aspect of how we can, you know, God's love is so great in our hearts. If we avail ourselves, if we live by faith, watch for these opportunities, this, this love is real. So now just looking at what the Bible says, we have uh, those scriptures in Matthew where it talks about going the second mile. Um. You know, some people just, you know, read these verses. You have heard it, that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. That's the natural man. That's the way we would naturally respond to, to people that are against us. But then Jesus said, I tell you not to resist an evil person. That's important to understand. We resist evil, but we don't resist the evil person. We're interested in that person. We love the person. That's what Jesus did. So whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. Now, I don't know if any of you have actually experienced that. Uh, I haven't. But I have prayed. I have asked God that if he would want me to go through that and to, to be able to show the person that hits me, um, that there's love in my heart for him and get up if he knocks me over and, and turn the other cheek. I have prayed about that. I've thought about that quite a bit and I'm willing. Now, it's not like I want bad things to happen to myself, but see, it works. I know it works. Pray about it. Of course, that might not be always be somebody, you know, hitting you in the face, but this is what it means. It means literally. So it might be your wife is not in a very good mood one day. and She gives you a slam, you know, with words. I hope she doesn't hit you. Mine never has. But sometimes she gives me a little slam. And, and then how do I respond? See? Uh, naturally, boy, you whack back. I mean, you slam back and you make it a little harder, a little harsher than what she did. You, you, just, you just lay it on, Okay. Is that going to really be produce anything good? Is that going to really make you feel good and make you, you know, have peace in your heart and the love of God grow in your life? No. But you turn around and you respond with love and you say, Woo, here you are. Give me here too. 
But sincerely and honestly, it makes a difference. If anyone wants to sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asked you, and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. This stuff is, I shouldn't say stuff. These things are literal. These things are real, and they work. I want to tell you just a little story to help understand this in context. I had a friend talk to me one day. He was a fellow missionary, an American, and he had a, a farm, and he had his motorcycle, and he had two helmets, one for him and one for the person that's taking going with him. So he came to me one day, and he said, brother, what do I do? One of the members from your church stopped by and asked me for my helmet. So I gave it to him. And then he said, but now he came back and he's asking for the second one. What should I do? And he's the kind, this missionary is the kind that takes these things literally. So he turned around and gave the brother of my church a helmet because he asked for it. Well, then now he comes back and asks for the second one. And I said, oh, brother, you have to know who you're working with. This guy's trying you out. He's going to give that first helmet back. And don't you dare give him that second helmet because that's not really what the Bible's talking about. In the context, we're talking about people, our enemies, people that are against us. Those are the situations when we don't say no because we love our enemy. Now, this fellow giving my brother helmets is not going to help anything. And I don't think that's what God is talking about here. I, I, I think I forgot, but I was going to scold the brother because he was testing this missionary. Anyway, in the context of people that are against you, your enemy, these things are real and they work. Don't bat an eye, just give it. Loan it and show love. Then we have down below, it says, you have heard that it is said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. In the Old Testament, you know, it was, it was hate your enemy. It was eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But you know that even in the Old Testament, Jesus, I mean, God would allow little peeps of what non-resistance is like. Isaac with all those wells. Oh, there's so many of them. And one of them that really blesses me is when Elisha uh, trapped, you know, the, was it the Assyrians? He trapped them. He had them in Damascus, had them inside on the courtyard. And the, and the king is just hopping up and down. He's saying, let me, let me kill him. Can I kill him? I want to kill him. I mean, finally, we have these pesters here. We got them trapped. And, and I just, he just wanted to whack their heads off. That's Old Testament. He wouldn't have been surprised if he would have. But Elisha got his answer from God. And he said, no, no. Don't do that. Make a feast and feed these people. Open their eyes and here they are in the middle of the, of, the, of the city trapped. And now all of a sudden, you know, God says, feed them. And they had such a wonderful party. I don't know. I can just imagine. They fed these people. But you know the thing that blesses me and that's what my testimony is. It works. It says they never came back to, to bother Israel again. If they would have killed those men, the others that were left would have, would have come back. You know how it goes. Revenge creates more revenge. Hate creates more hate. And it just snowballs. But love stops it in its tracks and makes things change. So the Old Testament, it was an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But it was the same God. God already then knew what his plan was. He knew what he was going to do in the New Testament. Then it says you should, <clears throat> but I say to you, love your enemies. Now, maybe you're some one of those that say, you know, that's impossible. But it isn't. It is not impossible. It is actually very, very possible. And it is a blessing. Then it says, bless those who curse you. Some of you probably read the book, Deliver the Ransom Alone, when Eli Glick in El Salvador was, was kidnapped and all night long they had him. Uh, they were mean to him. They tied him up and the ants were eating him up. And, and uh, he was saying, would you please give me a drink of water? He was so thirsty the next day and all night and no food. And and into the next day, the sun was hot. The ants were eating him up. And every time he'd ask them for something, they would bark back. 
and ugly tones and, and they cursed him. And then he would say, God bless you. God bless you. All night long, he won their hearts. And I think it was one o'clock in the afternoon when they turned him loose. They actually gave him some oranges because they knew he was very hungry, almost 24 hours without eating and very thirsty. They gave him water and gave him some oranges and turned him loose. Well, my wife knew that story. And one of the stories that, that uh, I'm just going to really briefly share here was a time that the robbers came to our home in Kusuli and they hauled me off to the neighbor to get his, to Tim Shrocks to get his money. While I was gone, these men had the women down on the floor in the, in the upstairs bedroom. And Bokawaho, uh, we say, had them face down. And uh, here in Nicaragua, um, the ladies often carry the money on their bodies. So they checked the ladies. And of course, this caused trouble and they started thinking of other things and they molested my wife. This green hooded man um, molested her. It was not a rape, but it was bad enough that you can imagine the terror. And she cried out and and, uh, pled for the blood of Jesus to come and cover her. and, And the man backed off. He backed off and walked out the door and he looked back. She remembers very clearly Lights were on. She was, uh, he was in the doorway and he looked back and she said, God bless you. That sounds absolutely crazy that a woman, having experienced some of the worst things that can happen to a woman, would turn around and say, God bless you. She remembered Eli's story. But I have a question for you. Do you think that guy ever forgot that? Do you think that robber could live his life the same after that, after having encountered love. And there's other things that happened that night. I'm sure that man went home or to the jungle or wherever he lived. And his life was not the same ever because he encountered love when it's the hardest to love. You know, that's not, that is so unhuman. That is so unreal. To love your enemy, that it impresses people that you have something real. And all the time, we had all these robberies back there in Kusuli between 1995 and 2000. You know, there weren't that many robbers converted. There were a couple. But what really, really happened was that the people watching on, our neighbors, The people in the community are the ones that watched this and saw it happen. And even the uh, Protestant people did not practice non-resistance in this country. It's not taught just like a lot of like uh, other churches, you know, they they don't have that in, in their doctrine. Well, then seeing this lived out became uh, a tremendous, tremendous testimony. And I, we believe that the success in And the conversions in the beginning had a lot to do with this. I remember my son came up to me one day and he said, Daddy, I was keeping track of the robberies. He said, Daddy, did you think about it? We've had 15 robberies. And we have 15 members. Some years later, when we were ready to move to Waslala, the number had went up to 40. I was keeping track of all the robberies and I stopped that. The Lord kind of got that out of my system, said, don't do that. So I stopped it. But I remember he came to me again and he said, Paulo, daddy, we've had 40 robberies. We have 40 members. Brethren, is that cost too high? If we realize that the worth of a soul is worth more than everything in the whole world, the Bible says that. Is a robbery per soul too much? You know the answer. So this is real. Bless them that curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. And then we have uh, the scripture in Romans, just real briefly there because time is running for us here. Uh, In Romans, It says, Romans 12, it says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Don't allow anger to come up into your heart. We struggle with anger. I had a, we had this uh, 
metal baseball bat that the children used. We couldn't play baseball in Kusili because everything was too steep. The ball would go down the gully. We never used it. We never did. I never did teach my children how to play baseball. Oh, they'd be so embarrassed if they ever have to bat a ball with a, with a bat. But I had this bat back in the corner. And between robberies, I got this thing. Satan put this little thing in my mind, what I could do with that baseball bat. Now, we're talking about 20 years ago. I was a lot younger than I am now, and I hadn't had GBS, and I hadn't had my back operation, and I was in good shape. I worked on the farm, and and uh, I started thinking what I could do with that baseball bat. So the guys come again, you know, they keep coming, come again, and I say, and they say, yeah, give me your money. Okay, come on, I'm going to show you your money. And I go to that corner where the baseball bat is, and I act like I'm digging down in there to find to find the money hidden there and that where the baseball bat and all the other junk is. And, and while he's expecting some big cash, all of a sudden I haul out this baseball bat and man, he saw stars and, and I got his gun away. You know, those things started coming into my mind. Sometimes nights I'd lay awake, I scared and, and I'd scare myself making all these stories. I had to renounce that. I had to totally renounce that. And, um, I started praising the Lord when I woke up nights and couldn't sleep. I'd hear a noise and oh, right away I just go into the robber mode and, and you know, what's coming next? But uh, I learned that if I would be awake and I'd praise the Lord, I'd go to sleep pretty fast. That's, that's, that's bad. I should stay awake to pray. But anyway, I renounced that. But I want to tell you tonight, I mean, uh, this morning, that never in the robberies would these things come to us. And I praise the Lord for that, partly because of the decision Ever since we moved to Nicaragua, we knew what we might face, although we had no idea uh, really to the extent of it. But the decision is no violence, never. So all those things we went through, I praise the Lord that I never, I never thought of that baseball bat. I never thought of using violence. God gave us grace. We would step into these robberies. And, uh, oh, it's incredible. The grace and the peace and the strength that we'd have during those times. And even, you know, even extreme situations. And I, they were going to, they had us hostage, had me tied up for two hours. And, and they were going to take one of my daughters out into the dark. And they told us, they said, if we take your daughter, he had tried everything to get money out of me. And it's one o'clock in the morning, okay? They got there at 730 so now it's one o'clock in the morning. I'm totally worn out. I'm tied at my family's feet, hog tied, my hands behind my back, my feet tied together and then pulled together. And I try that for two hours and see what cramps are like. And uh, so they were going to take my daughter, the last thing, the last effort. And uh, they said, if we take your daughter out this door, she won't be the same. Now that is a direct rape threat. But, you know, I'm laying there on the floor. I couldn't do anything anyway. I had already tried to bust my shackles, and all I did was rip my, uh, my uh, skin on my wrists. Earlier, I had just got desperate and just tried to rip them off because there weren't very big strings. But anyway, all that time, I never thought of violence. Well, I couldn't do it anyway. But anyway, it's just like I remember one time, uh, the robbers were going to take one of my children because they found out where my weak point was. That night, I finally sent my son to town and he borrowed $1,000 and to get those guys happy and they left. And, and uh, it was a long, long night. As you can imagine, they left at four o'clock in the morning. But another, in another situation, um, things got desperate and they wanted one of my children. It was the next robbery, actually. They knew now where my soft spot is. So they were going to go get my children. And we were down, downstairs, and I had told a brother that was there to evacuate the family and get him out of there, uh, run if it would happen again. And he had failed. The children were still there, so my wife and Tim Schrock's family. And, and they were going to go up. They told me, we're going to go up and we're going to get one of your children because you're going to give us cash tonight. So what I did is I stepped up between him. I stopped him before he went upstairs. And I said, just a minute. I put myself between him and my children. And I pled. And God used uh, the plea. He worked. 
I said, let's go outside and talk. We need to talk. And I took him outside and we started talking, Tim Schrock and I, with these guys. There were two of them that had machine guns. And uh, meanwhile, then, as I went out the door, I told this brother, I said, now you have three minutes. I told him in English, you have three minutes to get the children out of here. And we went out. And uh, they went out, out the window, a whole batch of them down over a gully through mud, barefoot, in the pajamas, and up a hill, and out on the road. And, and meanwhile, God sent a, a little Jeep, a little Suzuki Jeep. They got 13 people in that thing. Don't you ask me how. They haul them off to Waslala. And we dealt with the robbers. And again, it was we came out. Uh, they just took our stuff. Didn't hurt us. But anyway, stuff like that, you know, God is real in these situations, and he's there to help us. This this stuff works. Um, repay no evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. And then at the end, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him drink. For in doing, for in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. This this is real. This works. I don't know how many times I fed robbers. I remember one night, the same night that they had us hostage all night, I made coffee for them three times. Fresh, good coffee. I'd make it with love. I don't say that proudly, but I would do it with love. The next time they say, hey, we want more coffee, make it blacker. The third time I made coffee, it was so black you could almost cut it with a knife. They knew they had a long trip ahead of them. And, 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 uh, but it, it, was a, it was a blessing to serve these guys. Sounds crazy, but it, it's it's true. <clears throat> we gave him one night. I get we gave the robber our cobbler. We were at the supper table and we hadn't eaten yet. And we gave him a pan of cobbler because we knew we wouldn't be hungry for it for a long time because those robbers were always very traumatic and we wouldn't be hungry. And oh my, you can imagine. So that time I stood between the robber and my children. The night that they were going to take one of my daughters, I I made a deal with them. I made a deal, and it never came to actually they taking my daughter out out the, the door. But through all of that, I never thought of using violence. It never came, never crossed my mind, I'm sure it was from the Lord, to try to hurt these men or, you know, use violence against them. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough thing, but that's what, you know, God's there for us. Now, I'd like to tell a story yet before I close down. I want to look at one more scripture <clears throat> to help us understand why this is so important for God. And I, I think God, in all these things that happened to us between 1995 and 2000, I think God had a real purpose in helping us understand how important his lost children are. Okay, we think of robbers, they're, they're, they're the scum you know, they're, oh, man, why does the world have to have robbers? I mean, why don't they go work? We tell them, wouldn't you work and go go work and, and do something, you know, profitable instead of just making life so hard for everybody else. But, you know, God loves them too. Luke says, and I remember when I found this verse, it ministered to me to understand why these things are so important. But it says, love your enemies. Do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great. Think of that when the milk inspector comes and, and he's giving you a hard time and you feel your blood coming up, you know, and you just. Nah. Your reward will be, be great, and you will be the sons of the Most High. Now, why? There's so many reasons that God so many purposes that God had in our robberies. Like to be a testimony so people would be saved. The growth in our churches back in those years was, was awesome. And from the original beginning, now we have five churches. And at one point, there was a membership of about 100 in 25 years. So, you know, there's so many purposes. The way he tried us and showed his love through testing and how you protected us. And, but here, listen to this. It says, you will be sons of the most high, for he is kind to the unthankful and the evil. When I realized 
that God actually loves these men. They're actually his lost children, and he is interested in their lives. And that he would bring them to our house with the purpose of touching their lives with love. That made such a difference in the way I looked at it. Okay, here they come again, and our blood would just drain. My children, my wife, we just all go into this robber mode, and, and we start planning, you know, real quick, quietly, and, and doing whatever we have to do, and, and, and take care of the, I mean, take care of these men. God really, really, really wants to save them. And he's kind to of, them. He wants to be kind to of them, just like he does. You know what? He loves them as much as he does you. And again, realize we are the 99. Well, that's very special. We're in the fold. We're safe. But Jesus very clearly showed us that he sometimes leaves the 99 and goes out on the mountains to find his lost children. See the perspective, brethren? And that's the story I want to tell you now real quick yet and hopefully have time for some questions at the end. But there was a boy years ago that lived here about two hours from here from a home situation that was terrible and very, very sad. And he became such a terrible young boy. When he was somewhere between 12 and 14, I don't remember the story, he doused his stepfather with gasoline and lit him up, killed him. And they moved away and went to a place called Wastari. Some years ago, uh, after we were already in Waslala and our robberies were history, my son is a pastor in a place called Sapoticum. This robber started coming from Wastari. He couldn't live in Wastari, he's stealing Wastari anymore. They kill him. So he comes, he has, meanwhile, he's grown up to be such a wicked man. He had a pact with Satan. He had made a deal with Satan. And that guy was so incredible because he would know when, when the police were around. And he would come around and harass the Christians in the Sapoticum Valley, often in the daytime, as bold as a lion. There's a lot of stories out about him now since this robbery happened. But anyway, it's a long story, and I want to make it short enough here that we can get some questions in. But this guy began harassing the valley of Sapoticum. He lived up in the mountains with another robber band. And would come down, and, and, and he started really making it hard for the Christians. And he discovered really quickly that the Christians were non-resistant. And, man, I was just, this is easy money, man. I can go get these guys. They used to say here in Wafala about Tim Schrock and me. They're at the clinic in Kusuli. Oh, boy, stealing from the, uh, from the Mennonites is easy. All you need to do is... Bear, bear with some preaching. They preach at you a while. But uh, they don't resist. They just give you whatever they have. They give you coffee and make, they give you food and make coffee. And it became a slogan in these hills how easy it is to rob the Christians. Now, that they're totally mistaken. It's actually the opposite. They should never have started stealing from the Christians because that's the apple of God's eye. So they thought it was easy. Oh, that's peanuts. And oh, the joke they had because they'd steal. They'd sometimes come with, with uh, one time they robbed us with a green banana. And it looked like a pistol in the dark. And man, he made hay. Uh, another time that we'll show you this afternoon, some of the things that they used. So, oh, that's easy. No, it isn't. So he's harassing the Sapoticum the, the Valley. And he comes around, especially focuses on one of the brethren that had a big farm and was rich. And his sons were Christians and they had money and they knew it. So they, this guy, this Haimung was his name. He started coming and pressuring them for big money. Well, what happened is that uh, Marcelo, the rich farmer, just moved to Watlala and got out of there because he knew his life was in danger. Meanwhile, this guy came and threatened and kept zeroing in, and he wants big money, and he wants Marcelo to come personally. So he finally came one day and told the family, he said, I'm coming on Tuesday, and I'm coming at between 7 o'clock in the morning and 4 o'clock to 5 o'clock in the afternoon. Be ready. Marcelo's got to be here, and I need 250,000 cordobos. 
which is a lot of money. Anyway, it's a long story. But anyway, uh, when that date came up, these brethren were really shook up. Marcelo, of course, is in town. And um, so <clears throat> I offered to go along. My son and was there as pastor. And then these boys, Marcelo's sons. And then we got some other couple other brethren involved. I think it ended up we were six of us waiting for the robbers. And even from the day before, we were tense because we thought they might come the night before. And we prepared. And the thing that was such a blessing is to see these national men that never had been taught non-resistance to prepare. And we knelt in a circle to pray the evening before this, 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 uh, this uh, appointment. And they're praying and they're begging God to send them. That really shocked me. They're saying, Lord, please send them because we had a table full of gifts. Each one of us personally had prepared uh, a gift bag. And Marcelo was sending like uh, about a quarter of the money in a, in a gift bag. And we were to tell the robber, this is a gift from Marcelo. It's not stolen. This is a gift, a money gift. Because we were concerned that he might... Uh, get very violent if we didn't have something. So that that's the plan. I had a little something here that I I uh, was crazy enough to put into my gift bag. My son and I, my son and I um, prepared a bag with with much love. And I mean, honestly, it was just in our hearts. We had uh, flashlights and deodorants, and and uh, some of them in the gift bags had new Bibles. And and I put in this little note. People thought I was crazy. Um, Jesus loves you, it says up here, and I do too. But I don't know why I think that that man could never forget that. Anyway, we had all this ready, and they didn't come, and they wouldn't come, and they wouldn't come, and finally in the evening here they showed up. And I have some pictures here. What happened was that we had a... One of the sisters in the church was in the top story of Jacinto's house with a camera and a zoom's lens. And she took a whole bunch of pictures. And we didn't realize what was happening. But she actually got photos of this, of this whole succession of this robbery. And the guy came, came and herded us into the, a porch and had us in there where we had the gifts, the table of gifts ready for him. And, um, well, he, of course, immediately, where's Marcelo and where's my money? And then we explained why Marcelo couldn't come and why we couldn't give big money like that because it would it would ruin the mission because everybody would start coming and doing what he's doing. And, and then we'd offer him those gifts and we'd tell him, we have all these gifts prepared for you. Each one of us has this, has this bag of, of special things for you. And uh, But he was really hard. He had just two months before, he had shot one of the neighbors they got into a fight because he was robbing him, and the guy saw he's alone and grabbed his shotgun. So they tackled, and he actually was able to pull the farmer's pistol out of his belt and shot him. And as the farmer walked away, hit, he would laugh, telling his friends he bellowed like a bull. Now remember that because that's going to come up in the story here in a minute. So now this man, we're talking about a man that to kill somebody was peanuts. So here he is. And by the way, he had the farmer's pistol in his belt. We recognized it. The, the boys recognized it. But anyway, he, he just really got upset. He had a mask on and a cap down. We could just see his eyes. But he's standing there with the pistol, with his hand on the pistol. And he's saying, I want money. I don't want gifts. Where's Marcelo? And there was about 15 minutes when... The group of us really, really expected some bloodshed. It was extremely tense because we're talking about a man whose heart is so hard. Years. He's probably almost 30 now, 27 to 30. He's, he's, uh, he's uh, or maybe 25, but he is hardened and he's bitter. Nobody loves him. You hear that? Nobody loves him. God has no way to get a hold of him. He lives in the jungle, surrounded with wicked men. They do marijuana every day. They live a life of the wicked. 
How's God going to get a hold of him? He doesn't read a Bible. He doesn't have contact with Christians. And his heart is so hard, the spirit can't get a hold of him anymore. So God sends him into that room where we are. And we're, we're, we're praying under our breath. We're saying, Lord, soften his heart. Make these gifts work. And we tell him about the gifts. And, and Eddie, my son-in-law, that is one of these young fellows, brought the bag, the gift bag, and, and showed him, look, Marcelo's sending you 50,000 cordulas. It's a gift. You're not going to steal it. We're going to give it to you. And he'd say, no, my heffy, my heffy, my boss would never allow that. He'll kill me. My boss will kill me. We found out later that his boss was Satan himself. The story has come out now about the wickedness of this man and the tension and the, the pressure there was, was, but you know what? We kept on and we said, we started, we saw that he, he didn't shoot. He didn't. So we started witnessing to him. And then to hear those national boys, they come on, give your heart to the Lord, man, throw your gun down, come up here in front, kneel down and pray. We'll pray for you. Change your life. He said, I can't They'll kill me. And then we said, okay, I offered to snatch him out of there. I said, if you want to give your heart to the Lord, you throw your gun down and you come in here and you kneel down and we pray for you and you give your heart to the Lord. I said, I will snatch you out of here and take you to Waslala and make sure you're okay. And he just had never left his hand on the pistol. He said, I can't. My boss will kill me. I have to have money. Then all of a sudden, the Marcelo's brother was there. He's one of the, the, the Christians in the church there. And he says, uh, you know what? If you give your heart to the Lord, oh, he was saying that his boss needs money to buy a farm. He said, I'll give you half of my farm. He had 40 manzanas. He said, I'll give you 20 manzanas. I'll give you half of my land. I will give you the deed. I'll give you the title. And I'll give you enough tin to build you a house, a roof of your house. And another one of the boys piped up and said, I'll give you a cow with a calf so you can start. We'll help you. We begged with him. And here are these gifts that we've made just for you. And love just softened him down, softened him down. And all of a sudden we saw that we didn't know what's going to happen, but it's not going to be bloodshed. So we just turned up the burner. And then uh, Marcelo's brother, now these pictures were taken from 200 yards away with a telescopic lens. So you can't see very well, but I was hoping maybe you could see Marcelo's brother in the doorway of this porch. And right behind the edge of the door is where this robber was. And I was hoping maybe you can see this man lifts up his hands and he prays the heavens down for him. He said, I didn't bring you a gift, he said, but I have something better. May I pray for you? And the robber nodded. Okay, Brian, how are we there? Can you see the guy in the doorway raising his hands? Yes, we can, we can see that, brother. And at this point, you know, we're fighting with a life and death matter. We have no idea that this rounders up from 200 yards away from a window is snapping pictures. He prayed a prayer that I know smote that man's heart. And we were all shedding tears, you know. And I can't help but think, but he was too. After the prayer, we still didn't know what's going to happen. He went back to where the group was, where the table was. And everything is quiet. We didn't know what's going to happen. He didn't say anything. I didn't say anything. And all of a sudden, the Lord told me, not in an audible voice. I just clearly felt, go give that man a hug. Now, you don't do that. But God just, go give that man a hug. And I walked up to him. I looked at him, you know, a little slip between his cap and the, and the mask and I said, may I give you a hug? And to this day, it's hard to believe but he nodded. He nodded. And I walked over and I said, these, har- these arms, these hands are Jesus' hands today. Jesus is going to give you a hug. And I walked over and I laid my head. I hugged him and put my head on his chest and I bawled because the tension of the day and then back in the back it just turned loose. There were guys howling. They were crying so hard. All the tension. 
And, and you know, we were afraid a guy would shoot somebody. So here we are. All of a sudden, this man is allowing me to give him a hug. Love had won. Love won. And his heart was broken. And there's no way that man could have kept from crying, although we couldn't really see. But he was totally moved. He didn't budge. My native brother told me later, he said, Paul, we thought you're crazy. That guy has his pistol right here. All he'd have to do is put it out and just, he could shoot you. I didn't even think of it. But what I wanted to tell you, brethren, the love I felt was real. This is not just drama, making up something so I can tell you guys and become famous. Absolutely not. This is totally real. I loved him in my heart. I hugged him. And that's the next picture. It's going to be hard for you to see it, but she got a picture of me hugging him. Is there any way, Bryant, that you could kind of half see that? Can I turn it differently? I think that's the best way you, that you can do there. That's great. Thank you, Pablo. After I was done, I backed off, went back to the group, all the gifts. Oh, then uh, Jacinto, no, it was actually before that, Jacinto had went up and he told he had asked if we have a Bible, which was really interesting. Anyway, Jacinto ended up packing all the gifts in a backpack and putting it by his feet. Then we knew that he had accepted it. He had accepted the gifts that were at his feet when I hugged him. After the hug, I backed up and went back, and we were all just, you know, still just tears streaming down our face. He looked around, and he said, well, I guess I'll go. It's almost like he hated to leave. He was on holy ground. I'm sure he knew it. He said, well, I guess I'll go. And then the first time in the evening, in the, in the, yeah, in the evening, he took his hand off of his gun, his right hand, and he went around and shook hands with each one of us. And he went out the door, a friend. Never came back to bother the Christians again. And when he went out, we all invoked the blessing on him. God bless you. God bless you. Now, brethren, can you just think of how God was feeling? Do you see the purpose? This man is so wicked. And he's going to die. We didn't know that. We're not going to kill him. But his days were measured. God knew when the day was coming. Three months later, robbing uh, uh, some guys on a road, a 16-year-old boy, after he shot him in the leg, fell off his horse, and from under the horse, he shot him three times and killed him. And they said he went down bawling like a bull. So God knows his days are numbered. He knows this is it. And he says, I'll give him one more chance. Now, God knew that he's going to spurn it. God knew that he is not going to be courageous enough to take that opportunity and get on his knees. But I tell you, brethren, God did all he could. God gave him the most beautiful opportunity that a robber can have to change his ways and to, and to allow love to come into his heart. He spurned it. He kept right on robbing. And he died. But now, back to Luke. Love your enemies. And you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the unthankful and the evil. So the next time you have somebody that is against you, you have an enemy, you have a problem, people are, are hating you, persecuting you. You know, I think the state is getting to the place where we're going to be facing some real persecution. And you're going you're gonna to need this just like I do here in Waslala. Love your enemies. It's a beautiful thing and it works. Brian, that's all I have for, for this morning. Now, I'm sorry, there's four minutes left for questions. Well, Brother Pablo, um, none of us are, are going to complain about only four minutes left. Uh, we, were, we were walking on holy ground this morning. We were hearing stories of supernatural things. And thank you for sharing that, Brother Pablo. And this even sounds trite, but it sounds very trite. But thank you for being, for being faithful in that time of testing. Um, what an incredible story. 
and I can't imagine it, um, but it's, it's a faith builder to hear you say that in those times, like you felt the power of Jesus in those times. Um, and that's, that's a faith builder because I've, I've worked through those, those, those um, hypothetical situations, you know, in my, in my own life, we, we have a situation where there's a potential of never knowing of, of somebody showing up um, at, at our door. And uh, you've had to work, I've had to work through that. Like, what do I do in that, in that time? And, and it always looks impossible. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm sure there's many of us on the call here who've, who thought of those situations and it just looks impossible. Um, but thank you for let me, let me just throw something in here. Don't pre-plan. I do that. It doesn't work. Don't pre-plan. Spend your time. If you're going to spend time on your knees and get your heart ready and decided that you will love your enemy hmm. and you will never use violence. If you have that set in your heart, I promise when that guy walks in the door, you will be able to, to uh, do what's right. Like Jesus. Thank you. And that was one of the questions here for you is what are some practical ways we can prepare for that time when we are being assaulted? Uh, and so you, you, you shared, you shared that, um, is, is there any is there anything else you want you would we want to share on that question, Brother Pablo? Um, we always you know in your in in my case you know we're thinking robbers and, and real you know I don't know why God took us God took us through those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would have never thought that we're going to be you know harassed that way. But start with the small things. If you can't. Return good for evil when your wife is a brat or turn that around. Um, or if the brother in the church or your children and you clash and, and you whack at each other, if you can't find victory there, uh, it's going to be harder when you have the big situations. But if you're faithful in those small things, and by the way, you know, we all mess up. I just recently, I, scolded my wife in a way that I felt so horrible. I came back and I said, I begged for forgiveness. And she said, she's sorry. And we love each other more than ever. We have a wonderful relationship, but those things happen. But if we take them seriously and we go to God and we ask for forgiveness and commit ourselves, but you know, that's where, that's where we're all at. It's a daily thing. Practice non-resistance enemy love in your daily life. Don't worry about it big things because then when that time comes i tell you right now god is so real and so precious and so faithful I, we didn't always feel him that one night when they were there all night had us hostage feelings were gone but god was there wow. the next robbery the last one we had is when they hey, were going to take my children and i stood between the robber and begged him that was a fast robbery it was dramatic god delivered the children it was our best robbery the fastest, quickest, best robbery. And God was glorified in such a beautiful way. It's like our last robbery. God did such a wonderful gift. But wow. the robbery before, the one that caused us to move to Waslala, we moved out then to Waslala and have lived here ever since, 20 years now, now that we live here in town. Uh, and we've never had a robbed army, rob, armed robbery since. Okay. Sure. Well, that kind of leads us right into the next question. We'll have one question here. Then we'll, we have some more that have come in. We'll keep those for this afternoon. But one more question for you, Brother Pablo. And it actually kind of ties right into to this, this last situation we're talking about. And it goes like this. How do you answer those who would advocate physical resistance but not violence? If your wife is being attacked and you have the opportunity, would you tackle the abuser and restrain him? Isn't it loving to restrain someone for, from doing something they would later regret? So there you go, brother. That question is a tough one. You know, everybody, that's where always where you end up. There is the, where the leather hits the, I mean, the rubber hits the road. If you would do that in Nicaragua, you'd be dead. If you would even try to, to use physical restraint I would not be here, brother. I would not be here so many times if I would not have practiced uh, nonviolence and Christian love. 
mm-hmm. neighbors that resisted got killed, houses burned down. I mean, people we know, people that that uh, would come to me and beg for an opportunity. I had a man beg for an opportunity to come sit on our hill above our house and watch those robbers and, and blow them up. Mm. And I always said, no, God is going to take care of it. And he did. Uh, my book, The Price, is where I have the stories of how God dealt with some of those guys that were harassing us. Anyway, uh, I stood between the robber and my children. If a man would come and grab my wife to take her out the door in Nicaragua, you're tied. Okay, so it's not going to help anyway. What are you going to do? But if I weren't tied, I would stand between him and my wife and I would plead with him. Another thing that happened in one of our robberies, they took Eldon Cornelson outside of his house and taking him, kidnapping him. We had several kidnapping threats and never, never materialized. But his wife clung to his arm and said, I'm going with him. And so when they got outside in the dark and were now it's time to go on up into the jungle, uh, she was hanging on saying, I'm going with him. You know, things like that. Uh, I would I would stand between my my uh, wife and the robber and I would plead if I weren't tied. But um, I wouldn't go beyond that because if I would turn around, I mean, even if I would use restraint and now this afternoon, I'm going to talk a little bit about being wise as serpents and as tame as doves. There are things that we can do. Uh, God gives us some really smart things at the moment. Mm-hmm. But brethren, there is no need. Why would you want to restrain a robber if there's angels there that could whack him over with just, why would you want to do it? Why would you want to take God's place to protect your wife if God has told you to not use violence and to love that man and promise to take care of you? Uh, of course, then some terrible things happen. That's right. But I can't help but think, like the time that my wife was molested, she you can imagine the struggles that we went through, even me as a man. But I remember the word ministering to us. One thing that struck her was when she did, thought of the fact that Jesus hung on the cross with most of his clothes off. He hung his naked body to the public. That was one point that she grabbed. Okay. My body is not mine. Hmm. God, it's yours. If you allow this to happen, and remember, I couldn't protect her. There was no way unless I'd want to get killed. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing was the picture of Job, what happened to Job. And, and we, we accepted that God allowed Satan to come into our house that one time with that kind of thing. It's the only time that kind of thing happened. He allowed that. Well, who are we to argue with God? So, you know, go ahead. Well, thank you, Brother Pablo, uh, for for painting the picture or filling a picture in some more of the irrational ways of Jesus. That's right. Amen, brother. Amen. Um, the counterintuitive ways of Jesus. It, yeah. it sounds crazy. Some of this stuff sounds really, really, really far out. But... Jesus did it. Do a study of Jesus' life from the beginning to the end, from being born in a stable with nothing and following all the way through until they're spitting. I had people spit in my face and I can still feel the spittle running down. I know what that's like. But I go to Jesus and Jesus is such a perfect example. If you have somebody that can't handle the Sermon on the Mount and this teaching, just tell him to look at Jesus. And Amen. Jesus asked of us nothing that he himself did not do. A perfect example. If you think of restraining the robber and doing whatever you need to do to keep him from touching your wife, just think, what would Jesus have done? Or what did he do when he came to the cross? He laid down and gave his life. Wow. Thank you, Brother Pablo, um, for taking us on this journey this morning. My heart is touched deeply. And, and to think about what the, the, just what you just told us about, and that God was willing to come in his son Jesus 
was willing to come and, and absorb that kind of evil to reconcile humanity Amen. back Amen. to himself. What an amazing, Amen. what an amazing Lord and savior and King. Hallelujah. Amen. Um, all right. Well, um, let's, let's go ahead and just close this time with prayer. We're 10 after already. And uh, we have another hour and a half this afternoon and, um, and uh, let's just go ahead and close this time with prayer. Brother Pablo, could you, could you lead us in prayer, please? Sure. Heavenly Father, this morning we bow our heads before you and we worship you. Yes. We bow our heads and we love you hmm. because you first loved us. Amen. And your love is so big, so mighty, so wonderful. That we can't stop thanking you and loving you back. And we just, I just would like to pray for the audience and myself as we turn around and face life and face people and face our enemies. Oh, God. Set our hearts to do what's right, to do what's biblical, to follow your commands in the, in the Sermon of the Mount. Set our minds and our hearts, Lord, to do things your way. And then in the practical things, Lord, just give us that grace and strength and, and a blessing. Oh, God, touch the souls. And, Lord, I, I sometimes am scared to pray these prayers. But, Lord, if there's some lonely robber out there that you need to touch and you want to bring him to my house, I'm willing. Lord, you know how our flesh trembles. Mm. You know what it's like. Jesus, all you suffered, you know what it's like. But, Lord, the worth of a soul is so great, and we're in this together, Lord. We're, we're workers in your kingdom, and we want to be used in your kingdom, and we want to touch hearts and touch lives. Lord, if you want to test what I preached this morning in this little Zoom message, you help yourself. Just gentle. Be gentle. And give me and my family the strength and the grace that we need. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Lord, for rest from robbers over the years. Oh, we thank you, Lord. But again, we're willing. We're willing to do whatever you say. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Okay. Um, so thank you for all coming on here. We had quite a group here this morning. We're anticipating this afternoon uh, being, being together again with you, Brother Pablo. Uh, let's pray that the internet works well. Um, Brother Pablo got his daughter's 4G uh, phone um, so she can, he can have good internet. Um, because the internet always isn't the most stable there in Nicaragua. So let's, let's pray that we have good internet this afternoon for you, Brother Pablo. Uh, three o'clock, tell your friends to join. Um, he's going to be doing some more stories and also um, showing us a collection of things that Robert's left behind. And so he's somewhat more geared towards children. Um, so that'd be a great way to, for us to have our children um, listen to something like this. Uh, also, if you have any more questions, please uh, feel free to, to submit that, those questions, and we'll try. We'll try to get to those. Um, so anything else, Glenn, here? You've covered it. Okay. All right. Thank you again, and, and God bless you all. Goodbye. As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend.